No sin to bind and no chains to shackle. You have set me free. Sing that again. I am accepted in the beloved. I know you are pleased with me. No sin to bind and no chains to shackle. You have set me free. Your presence gives me reason to sing. I'm where I belong in the arms of my beloved. It feels like I can finally breathe. You have set me free. I am accepted. past has no hold on me not because of what I've done but because of your great mercy you have set me free and you I have found everything I've ever wanted your presence gives me I'm where I belong in the arms of my beloved. It feels like I can finally breathe. You have set me free.
this morning. Oh, man. 
and your mercy endures forever. You are good. You are good. And your mercy endures forever. You are good. You are good. And your mercy endures forever. You are good. You are good. And your mercy endures forever. You are good. You are good. And your mercy endures forever. You are good. And your mercy endures forever. You are good. I just feel that we just marinate in the presence of the Lord this morning. Just for a moment, I was feeling, um, I keep hearing fatigue and tired and even just achy joints, just tiredness, not getting sleep. And we're in the presence of the one who created all heaven and earth, created the cosmos. I forget it sometimes that that same being, that same word that spoke all things into existence lives, moves, and has its being inside of me. In Him, we live, we move, and we have our existence. So this morning, we just thank you, Father. We receive your goodness. We receive the healing balm on every joint, every part of us, every bit of fatigue and weariness. We receive it, Father. Yes. Lord, we receive it. You are so good, and you gladly hand it out all day long, all the time. It says that we can with joy draw out of the wells of salvation, nonstop and ever flowing water that never runs dry. It never loses its resource, Father. We just thank you, Jesus, and we receive it over every part of our body, every part of our family, Lord. We receive it in healing for those around us that aren't here this morning. We thank you, Father. You sent your word, and it did what it was sent to do. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Your mercy endures. You are good. You are good. And your mercy endures forever. You are good. And your contacted me this morning to let me know she wouldn't be here today. Her grandson was attacked by the family dog and his parents were bringing him 
to McAllister, so she was wanting to be there for them. But let's pray. I don't know the little boy's name. She sent me a picture of him, and he, the dog got him in the face. And um, so, Lord, we lift this baby up to you. And, Lord, we call heaven into the earth realm over Kim's grandchild. And we say, be on earth as it is in heaven. Be healed. Be made whole in the name of Jesus. We release the healing of heaven into this child. And, Lord, we pray the same thing for Ruby. We speak to her body and say, be healed, be made whole in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Not only are you rock, you are a rock, our fortress, our deliverer. You are a healer as well. anyone in this place this morning that needs healing in their soul or in their body we pray like Jesus told us to pray Lord your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and we call heaven now into the earth realm over every person in this building. And I say be healed, be made whole. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we receive this healing from your hand. And we thank you for it. You are good. You are so good to us. Paul said, where he said, I would that you would know the length, the depth, the breadth, the height of and how great the love is that he has for us. Mm-hmm. And while we were praying for that little boy, I just kept thinking, Lord, you love him. And I feel like just, you know, we can know all the theology, the history, the scripture. We can, we can school ourselves in so many things, but if we would know the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height, and how great his love is for us, that is enough right there. It is his love that compelled him to do everything he did. And if we could just get a revelation of the love that the Father and Jesus hold for us, yeah. then anything is possible. Because we see that he made a way in every way. And it is us that holds it back. It's us that comes up with reasons why. It's us that stand back with doctrinal ideas. But he's up there saying, if you knew my love. And how great the love is that I have for you. And so Lord, we just ask you let us get it first. Help us receive this revelation, Lord. That it's really not about everything else we make it about. But it is about how great is your love. That you are love. 
that you are full of goodness and no shadow of turning. Lord, let us experience the length and the depth and the breadth, the height, the fullness of the love that you have for us. It's without measure. It's without limit, Lord. It could go to the darkest place, the highest height. There's no place that it can't reach. There's no person that it can't heal, Lord. Yes. We thank you, Lord, for your love. Yes. scripture she's quoting there is Ephesians chapter 4 and it actually says that we cannot know the love of our God the length, width, depth and height we cannot know that without Holy Spirit revealing it to us So, Father, this morning, we call Holy Spirit into that room. As Kim goes and is there, Father, let that be uh, prevalent in that room, God. Come and touch that little boy. Dog bites are not fun. But our God, our God can change that. And so we just believe this morning for healing of that little boy. Amen. Today we're going to have lunch on the grounds here. But not on the ground, but on the grounds. And that's not that's not coffee grounds. But on the grounds, we're going to have lunch. And we're all invited, except Brent. And he's, he's got to come and earn his. <laughs> so come on and share with us what you're hearing this morning. one hand today amen thank you Beth and Kay for the worship that was that was good um, I had this thought I was kind of putting together some things to preach this morning and you know I usually would be we got, we're going to be in John for a minute, and then we're going to skip, you know how we do. <laughs> um, but today I was thinking of this thought that it seems like, and I don't know, I can't speak of anywhere else, but in America, it seems we want to have God, but we don't really want Jesus. So when I say that, most of us will say we believe in God. But when I say that, most of us believe in the God of the Old Testament. We find scriptures that allow us to act a certain way or to, I'll be honest, we find scriptures so we can be violent. 
And if you look at every horrible thing that's ever happened in the last 200 years, let's just start there. World wars, slavery, those were all done with scriptures. But I can find it in the Bible. Um, the removal of what happened in the United States with Native Americans was all based on biblical principles. Um, and so what we say is we have this idea that says, well, America was built off of biblical principles. There's a difference in finding scriptures and it being a principle or a biblical principle or so when I say what I said is it's, you can't have God without Jesus. Because what we're going to find out, we're going to read a scripture today in Psalms, and, and you look at Psalms, David's imagery a lot of times, he was a man of war. He was a, a warrior. He was a great warrior, in fact. Well, I, I love to read some of the stuff. He's, he's our action figure. You know, he's, he's the man, right? And rightfully so. But a lot of times we take, the Bible is, is very interesting in the fact that it is one of the only books that I believe that, and, and that you can't understand the first of the book until you've read the middle, until you've gone through the birth, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ to understand what was really going on in the Old Testament, to have a clear view, to have a, 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 a clear view of what was really going on there. Because we, we're very skillful at finding things in the Bible, and I've almost found that every time that we have a teaching on these things, it's never in the New Testament. Never quoting Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why? Because a lot of the things that you find that we find that we are allowed to do and we find biblical principles and we say, well, I found it in the Word of God. I made a statement a while back ago and, and it's becoming more and more true as I've, as I've heard it and begin to hear it and I begin to say it and repeat it in myself is, true, you can find those words and that, that writing in the Bible, but can you find it in Jesus? That is, that's tough. That's, that's, because I found a lot of people like God because there's a lot of uh, things we can do in the name of God. Most of our wars that have been fought that we know of have been fought on one side or the other in the name of God. God said I could have that, so I'm going to take it. Well, somebody's already got it. doesn't matter. God told me I could have it. So we're going to fight this war, and whoever loses more people they lose, and the winner who killed more people, that shows everybody that God was on my side. That we've allowed ourselves to be violent. But when I look at the Gospels and I look at Jesus' life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and then ultimately the, the, the sending down or the releasing of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's hard to go there. And to get there, I have to separate, I have to remove Jesus from the equation. I have to remove the teachings of Jesus. I can, I can eye for an eye. Jesus says, yes, you've heard it eye for an eye, but I say to you, forgive those that have wrongfully used you. Pray for them. 
speak blessings upon them. Well, they killed me. I'm going to kill them back. Forgive them for they know not what they do. That's the ultimate. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to say, I'm going to get revenge. I'm going to get revenge when you see Jesus on the cross who's being crucified and killed by the world and the sins of, of, of angry, hurtful men. And yet he speaks to not only them, but he speaks to the world. He speaks to those that have hurt from time and from then on. He says, forgive them for they know not what they do. No man taketh my life unless I choose to lay it down. These are the words of Christ. And sometimes what we like to do is go to the Old Testament and find scriptures and stir those up and say, see, it's in the Bible. <coughs> so I can own slaves. I'm going to say it. I can oppress women. Because it's in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. But we have to realize that when Christ came, he, he changed things. The death, burial, and the resurrection. And, and, and in the, we'll be in John, but I'm going to reference the book of, uh, I think it's Luke. When Luke was in, in his stories of the road to Emmaus after Jesus had resurrected, he came to do disciples that were walking. And he says, why are you so sad looking? What's going on? They said, have you not been from this place? Have you not been here and know the events that's happened? This Jesus Christ has come. And, and the Bible says we thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was the one that was going to be the Messiah and take everything. And, and really what they're saying is because in that day and age, it wasn't the Messiah or the kingdom of heaven. It was we thought he was going to come and kill the Romans and we were going to take over again. But it seems that he's died. So we were looking for a political Messiah. We were looking for somebody to change the politics, the rules and regulations. We were looking for somebody to conquer. Why? Because we have that in our Old Testament. There's a conquering and somebody's going to die. And we have the Messiah. We've got the almighty weapon and he's going to kill all these people and we're going to rejoice. The Bible says that Jesus began to walk with them and talk with them. And he began to talk to them, began to explain. And then it says he began to, from Moses and the prophets, he began to open their eyes and teach them all the things concerning him. You see, it's only after the resurrection that we, our eyes become opened to what's gone happen and what's been happening in the past. Jesus told the Pharisees at one time, the Pharisees, Sadducees, he says, you search the scriptures looking for life, but you refuse to come to me that I may give you this life. Now what he was saying was, he says, you know all the scriptures and you know everything that I've done. A lot of times they say, give us a sign. He said, why would I give you a sign? You've seen the things that I've done. And let my sign be the things that's been done. He said that for a specific reason because they had created these ideologies of who he was going to be. And they said, when the Messiah comes, he'll do this, he'll do this, he'll do this, he'll do this, he'll do this miracle. Only the Messiah, only God can do this, only God can do this, God can do this. And as Jesus is walking with them, he, they're checking these things off on their list. And he says, let those things that I've done be my sign of who, who I say that I am. They knew who he was. He says, not only do you not accept it, but you refuse. 
In other words, you know who I am and you know the things that I've done. I've been sent of God and my words are of God and the words are of my father. But you refuse to come to me for the words of life. We see things, two things here clearly. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this today. And it may be sound like I'm, I'm. But we see here in, in also in the book of Mark, we see that Jesus gives them a very clear warning. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. Beware of these, 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 the leaven. Beware of the, the, the thoughts that's going to try to creep in. And he's speaking to the disciples. He's speaking to those who are going to ultimately begin to make up the church. The church uh, uh, after Christ is resurrected. He says, be careful of the Pharisees and be careful of Herod. Now he talked in two systems there. Religious and political. He says, I've come to change some things. And things are going to change when I, when I die and I'm, I'm buried and I'm resurrected, you're going to see revelation in the resurrection. That's why Paul says, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know him in the power. Yes, he died. And it was a wonderful thing. It was a, a, a horrible, beautiful thing that he did. But everybody up to that point had died. The thing that separates us is not Jesus' death, but the thing that separates our What we believe is the fact that he rose again. It is the resurrection. And it is in that resurrection that we have to look and begin to see what God has been saying up to this point. And it's in that resurrection, it's in that understanding as we move forward in today's world that we live in the power of his resurrection. Amen. And if God can raise his son from the dead... What is there that he cannot do? Amen. So we see here that he he opens their eyes to the scriptures. And the Bible says that when they sat down to eat, he blessed it and they said, that's Jesus. And he disappeared from their sight and they begin to look at each other and begin to say, did our hearts not burn in us as he opened the scriptures to us? We thought this Jesus was the Messiah. We thought this Jesus was the one that was going to take care of all of our worldly needs. He was going to change things. We weren't going to be in bondage no more. The Romans were going to get kicked out and we were going to get to go back. Really what they're saying is go back to business as usual. But our eyes became opened and he said, he is the Lord. This is the Lord. This is Jesus. said, let me show you what those scriptures are about. Those scriptures are not about some political Messiah that's going to come to kick butt, but it's going to come to take away the sins of the world. It's going to change the mindsets and the hearts and the understandings of the relationship between man and God. And when they understand the resurrection, they understand their identity. Then the Isaiah scripture will say they will beat their swords into plowshares. When you understand Jesus and the word of God comes into their lives and they begin to find the transformation power of Christ and the resurrection, the death, burial, resurrection and the infilling of the Holy Spirit as we are being likened unto him and we're changing from this image into the image of God. The image that we have of God on this earth is a man named Jesus. We are becoming like him. We are looking like him. We're acting like him. We're speaking like him. We're walking like him. And we're thinking like him. You have the mind of Christ. 
So many times we don't want to go down that road. To preach Jesus is one thing, but to live like it is a whole nother thing. Because to live like Jesus means to forgive like Jesus. To live like Jesus is to hear the words of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the peacekeepers, for they shall inherit the kingdom of, earth, of, he the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who realize without God they can't do anything and they operate outside of that. Blessed are those that are meek that are peacemakers, that are gentle, that move silently and they have faith and they walk in this earth. He said, blessed are those. People call it the upside down kingdom. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. In this kingdom, it's not about your, it's not about your heritage. It's not about who, where you come from. It's not about who you are, who you've been. It's not about any of that, how much money you have, how much education you have. But in this kingdom, it's about Jesus Christ. Do you believe that God raised him from the dead? Do you believe that he raised him from the dead? And from that point, from that point on, you have to begin to live a life that says, if he raised him from the dead, then there's nothing in my life that he cannot do. So we, 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 we look at these scriptures, and, and I'm going to read John in verse, uh, John 10, chapter 1. We're going to look a little bit here. John 10 and 1, it says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he brings him out, his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Go in and out. He said, I am the door. I am the way, the truth, the way, and the life. No one cometh to the Father unless he comes through me. Verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hiring flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. He says, he tells, starts telling the story. He says that there's this, that, there, that anybody that comes, he says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We've taken that as Satan. 
and rightfully so, that is an understanding of the enemy of our soul comes to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God has created. But he's also talking in the scriptures before that, he said, anybody else that's come before me was a thief and a robber. They've tried to get to God without coming to me, a thief and a robber. And he's talking to them about, he's talking about the leaven of the Pharisees. There's going to be religious systems that's going to promise you a way in. There's going to be religious understanding that's going to tell you, you do this, this, and this, and get all your ducks in order, then you will be accepted. You will be in the beloved. But he said, I've come to tell you that it's me, and if you come to me, I will give you life. I will give you life more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that you may have life, and life more abundantly. In the church, especially in the United States, we love the talk about death. We love talking about dying to self. But the death of Christ was more more than just to die. The death of Christ was death so that he may be risen again so that you could have life. We love death. We love sacrifice. We love showing everybody how much we're doing and all the things that we're doing and telling all the great things that we've given up for the Lord. But one thing that I believe the church is rising up into and will come into a revelation is learning how to live, how to live life and life more abundantly. Come on, somebody, that, that when Christ, the life of Christ is in me, he is not dead. He is risen as the angel. He is risen as he said. We do not serve a Christ that is dead. We serve one who is risen and we are able to tap into and receive and understand the power of his resurrection. We can get into the resurrection of Christ, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and he will begin to open our eyes to the scriptures and to the word of God, and it will begin to illuminate. And when he shakes everything loose, the only thing that will be standing will be Christ himself. In these scriptures here, right before 10, there's, in verse 9, there's talking about whenever Jesus healed the man with the eye that was blind. He said, I'm blind. And Jesus began to talk to him. He spit on his eyes. And he went to the pool of Siloam, which I think is hilarious because where Jesus was at, where they say he healed him, it would have been a pretty good journey for him to go to the pool of Siloam. And during that time, the priests would go and grab water out of that and go back up to the temple. <laughs> they would pour water out because it was part of what they would do every year. So here's this blind man walking down the street with mud on his eyes. <laughs> making his way. What's going on? People are trying to help him. What is going on? And he goes down and he begins to wash his eyes, which is a representation of baptism, of receiving baptism in the Lord and begin to wash his eyes. The water is usually a representation of the Holy Spirit or the word of God. And he's beginning to wash his eyes with the word and the word of God is coming and he's becoming clearer and clearer and clearer before he was blind and couldn't see Jesus and didn't know him. But now as he's washing with the word of God and the Holy Spirit, his eyes have become open and now he is beginning to see. They begin to ask him. They said, what was it? And so you look at the transformation that happens in this man's life. The first time he says, what happened? He said, I don't know. There was a man called Jesus. He spit in my eyes. He put, made mud. He spit, and, and he spit, made mud, and he told me to go wash in the pool of Siloam. They people was like, okay, so this man named Jesus. Then they bring him before the Pharisees, and the Pharisees begin to talk to him, begin to ask his mom. And they say, mom and dad, what's he? He said, he's old enough. 
He's old enough right now to speak for himself. We don't want to get kicked out of the church. So they kicked out. He says, what do you say of this man? He said, I don't know anything about this man, but I do perceive him as a prophet. You see, the revelation after his eyes had become open to Jesus Christ and the understanding of who he was, first of all, he was just a man. But now we see that he's a prophet. And you continue on, they begin to ask him. And finally, he gets fed up. And he said, look, I've told you before who he is. I've told you before that I don't know what happens. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. You can figure your theology out. You can figure all that out that you want to. I'm just going to rejoice. I'm just going to shout because I know what he's done to me. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he come from. I'm not even for sure if I'm on his side at this point. All I know is he touched me and he changed me and his name is Jesus. He's a prophet. Well, then later on, Jesus finds him and he says, what did they say about you? And he said, I don't know. And he said, I, I would worship this man if I knew who he was, the son of God. He has to be the son of God. And Jesus says, the man that you're talking to is him. I am the son of God. The Bible said he fell down and began to worship him and said, thank you, Jesus, the son of God. You see, the revelation that we're coming into in the power of the resurrection is not that he's just a man. We've established that. History establishes that. There are some say, well, he's the prophet. He was a good prophet, a great prophet, maybe even one of the greatest prophets that have ever lived. But the revelation of resurrection says he is the son of God. We see at the cross when Jesus died, the Roman soldiers made the statement and after Jesus hung his head and he had died, he said, surely this was the son of God. We begin to see now in the power of his resurrection, on this side of, of resurrection power that we walk in, that we live in daily. But, uh, I believe it was Paul that says uh, that it's the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is now alive on the inside of you, quickening your mortal body, giving you life on a daily basis, giving you, giving you life and life more abundantly. We're coming into abundant life. I'm going to say this. We're coming into abundant life. There's going to be a life abundantly. And I'm going to remove this from the prosperity teaching. Not that God doesn't want us to be prosperous. But the prosperity teaching hinged it on certain things that you do. You give, we'll give. You give, you're going to get $1,000. You call, blah, 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 this, that. We all know what's happened in that movement. And what God is saying is I'm beginning to take that back and I'm going to begin to say you have abundant life, not because of the things you've done, but because of what Jesus did. Jesus said, I will give them abundant life. He didn't say they're going to work for it. They're going to be good enough. And then eventually I'll say, well, you've done okay. I'll give you some abundant and I'll give you. No, he said, I will give them the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and life more abundantly. Guess what? That happens on day one when you say, I confess Jesus. Jesus as Lord and I believe that God raised him from the dead you shall be saved in that moment when a realization hits you and you receive the spirit of revelation resurrection power comes in you and you understand he is the son of God and I have abundant life now we're going to get to what I was going to preach on Turn the book of Psalms 17 or yeah 117. Psalms 117. In the early church, whenever they would worship, they would sing this psalm. We're talking about, there's a couple of verses we're going to hit here in just a minute that I told you about. When we have revelation of the resurrection power of Christ, we have to look at some of these scriptures a little differently. 
We can't just take them at face value. We have to begin to look at the Old Testament. Anything that you read out of the Old Testament has to be filtered through the birth, the life, burial, resurrection, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It has to be through that filter that we begin to read these things. I love Psalms 117 because it says this. I think it's the right one. Yeah. Verse 117. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. A lot of David's Psalms says that. Let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say his mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surround me, yes, they surround me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Now we look at those. We look at those, and we begin to see that we keep saying, I will destroy them. Found it in the Bible. That means right now, somebody comes against me, I'm going to destroy them. You get me, I'm going to get you. The golden rule, right? Do unto others before they do you. (laughs) That's what we say now. But when you look at that through the death, burial, the resurrection, and Jesus saying, forgive them for they know not what they do, we have to look at that and go, wait a minute, I I can't go there. A lot of times when you look at David's writings, David's writings will, he always sometimes will start with despair. Woe is me. I can't believe the angel. And then he goes into, but you are my rock. You are my fortress. And he usually ends it with a worship and with a praise. But sometimes we take those, those, those things and say, well, the Lord said that I could, I could kill them. The Lord said, he he told David he could destroy them and I could kill them. But we have to begin to look afterwards. So let's take now. Let's take today's sight and look at that scripture and bring that all nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. What does that look like post-resurrection? What does that look like in a church filled with the love of Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost? This is where we want to separate and say, well, I believe in God. Jesus, these words are too hard. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can't be a part of it. Everybody's leaving me. Everybody's leaving. Do you want to leave with I would like to. But you alone have the words of life. This is a hard saying you're saying to us and to the people. This is hard. This is not the, this is not the friendly, user-friendly Jesus that I've heard. I have to make a decision. I have to make a decision, and I'm going to tell you something. I've been watching over these last few years as, as, as COVID has hit and as, as a political uh, storm has come, and I begin to see a church that has separated themselves from Jesus. 
I've seen a church that will stand at, at, at an abortion clinic and call people names. And call them all kinds of murderers and killers and, and all kinds of names instead of standing there and declare the, the power of the resurrection and declare to them the love of Jesus Christ and declare to them it's the goodness of God that will lead you to repentance. It's his heart towards you. It was him sending his son to you that you may have life and life more abundantly. I see people on both sides of whatever issue comes up. We begin to see the church acting out just like the other side acts. And then we say things like, well, if they're going to do this, then we're going to do that. That's not Christ. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, of the religious movements, but also beware of the political movements. I've not come to preach one side or the other, but I've come to preach Christ. Not see to see videos of people sharing things that, that ministers are saying from the pulpit and I'm looking at what they're saying and I'm like there is no room for anybody to walk through your doors and receive a loving Christ because we take these scriptures and we're ready to destroy them they're sinners destroy them we don't care about them we're getting out of here. Who cares about them? I tell you who does, it was Jesus. The Bible says that he was a friend of sinners and tax collectors. Did you know he, those tax collectors were also kind of like politicians? Those are the people Jesus would say was sinners, prostitutes, alcoholics, drunks. He said, you're a wine-bibber and a glutton. You eat too much and you drink too much and you hang out with the wrong kind of people. You can't be the Messiah. Our idea of Messiah put together, he's going to stand and he's not going to soil himself with you people. Jesus told him time and time again, my kingdom is not of this world. It's higher and it's greater and it's upside down. It's not going to make sense to you who I'm going to use. It doesn't make sense that God would use Moses, a murderer. It doesn't make sense that God would use David, a womanizer. A man who loved to fight. Doesn't make sense that God would use Jeremiah, a man, a grown man that cries every time that he preaches the word of God. Doesn't make sense that God would use a man like Peter who was a racist, by the way. And he was violent and he was quick-tempered. Doesn't make sense that he would use the people of the Rahab. Let's, let's, let's take Rahab in the lineage of Jesus Christ, a harlot. You mean to tell me Christ came from the lineage of a harlot? We begin to see here that, that we, 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 as, as the church is becoming and the shaking that we're beginning to see, it is not going to, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, it's not going to be who's the most patriotic that is the church that will stand, but it will be those who look most like Christ that will stand. I'm not, a, I'm not a, a person that speaks in this realm because I don't know, but what you're about to see in these few years to come, if I could leave something with you, it is stand on Christ. There is a political shaking coming, and I hate to tell you, we think all oh, the Democrats are about to get theirs, but the Republicans are about to get shook too. The whole system is about to shake, and there's going to be a lot of people lose their mind because their actual 
where they put their trust is in princes and it's in men and it's very little to do with, we say God, but not just God, but Christ. You can't have a God without Jesus. If you do, it is a false God. And you've been led away by the leaven of the Pharisees and the politicians. We have to say, so there's a, there's a right wing and there's a left wing, but there is a heart in the center and his name is Jesus Christ. There's a mind of Christ in the middle, and that is where we need to stand, in the middle. And not telling one side or the other, you're this, you're that, but proclaiming Christ. We say this, we say Republican mindset, we say Democrat mindset. What do you say? I say the mind of Christ. I say the heart of Christ. I say the life of Christ. I say the actions of Jesus Christ that I do not see the church doing. So we see these scriptures between 8 and 14. We have to look at those through the eyes and through the lens, death, burial, resurrection. The power of the resurrection. When, when, when he literally, the Bible says, he came up out of hell with, death, hell with the keys, death, hell, and the grave. He had conquered sin. These men that we see that are coming against David are sinful men. Now we have scriptures in the New Testament that says, I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I don't wrestle against my neighbor, but I wrestle against the things that they're dealing with and the things that's on their mind and the mindsets that have been created on them. A stronghold. Let's take a stronghold for a moment. A stronghold is an induced system of thinking. That stronghold will be either a godly system of thinking or it will be a demonic system of thinking. I don't wrestle against flesh and blood against people, but I guess wrestle against the thoughts that they have and the mindsets that they've grown up in. It's actions here. It's hard to separate those things. But Paul says, I don't wrestle against them. I don't want to destroy them anymore. But I want to love them and I want them to have what God has given me. For years, I preached forgiveness without an apology, going to different reservations and preaching this word, forgiveness without an apology. And the Lord says the word forgive is two words, for and give. And so when I say, God, forgive them, those people that have hurt me, those people that have brought me pain, what I'm saying is, Lord, I am for you giving them everything I'm praying for in my life. Come on, somebody. That's different than what we like to pray. God, get them, destroy them. They hurt me. David even says, I will see my desire on those that have hurt me. One of the scriptures, he said, Lord, uh, kill them and let me watch you do it. Through the eyes of Christ, it's Lord, bless them and save them and completely transform them. And I will sit back and rejoice and give you the glory for all that you've doing, God. Because if we stay mad at each other, if I live and they die, then somebody's lost. And there's still a term and there's still a world of death going on and hatred and anger. But God, if you restore us both, we come together, we rejoice, we serve the Lord. Now, generations after us will tell the stories of two people that hated each other. But they were reconciled in the name of God and families will come and generations will begin to rejoice. That is the gospel of reconciliation. Verse 15, let's go ahead and finish this thing because it gets way better. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. Verse 17, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. 
The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. All those wrong thinking up there, kill them, destroy them. The Lord has chastened me. He's changed my mind about a couple things. I've seen him. He's like Job. I've only heard about you, but I've seen you face to face. Everything that I've said, I take back because I said it in ignorance. You've shown me a thing or two. You've taught me some things. And now I look back and go, no, don't kill them. Save them. Restore them. Uh, the Lord is chasing me and he's not giving me over to death. Verse 19. Talk going back to the door. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteousness shall enter. I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is Jesus Christ. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray, O Lord. Uh, O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord. He has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. Verse 29. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Your goodness, God, your mercy is good. And you're good and your mercy endures forever, Lord. God, I pray for a church that looks just like Jesus. God, I pray for inside of me, God, that you're, you're creating that. And God, I'm walking as we're walking this out. God, each one on his own journey, each person on their own journey of finding you, God, like the blind man, Lord. Lord, as we come into salvation and we become baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, the, the understanding of resurrection, our eyes become open, God. And we become to know you more and more than just a man. But we know you more and more than just a prophet. But God, we know you as the Son of God. Come away to take away the sins of the world. But even further, God, we know you as a friend. We know you as a Savior. We know you as a healer, God. And we thank you. We thank you today, God, Lord. God, in this day and age, I pray for the church, God, that our mind would stay focused, God, on the gospel of Jesus Christ, that our mind would stay focused, God, not looking, as the, as the scripture says, not looking to the left or to the right, but keeping our eye focused, God, on you, upon Christ, upon the power of the resurrection, the story of the birth, the life, the burial, and God, ultimately the resurrection of Christ, that you seated on the right hand of the Father, God. But well, we thank you, God, that we wake up in that reality every single day. We walk around in this world in that reality, God. We lay our head at night, God, in that reality. And we sleep, God, because you give us peace, God. And you give us rest, God. Lord, let us be those. Let us echo the words of Jesus. Come unto him, come unto him all those who are weary and heavy laden. For he will give you rest, for his burden is easy. And his yoke is light. His yoke is easy and his burden is light, God. Uh, let this be the words that begin to spew out of our mouth. Let this word begin to pour out of us. As you said, out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water, God. God, it's time that the church begin to release living waters once again. 
waters that refresh, waters that heal, waters that cool those that are in need, those that are thirsty, those that are hungry, God. But I thank you for your church, God. I thank you for, for what you're doing inside of it, God. God, there's a shaking that's coming, God. The shaking that's coming to the political structure, God, in America, God. And Lord, we pray that when that shaking happens, it will be you that will stand true, God. God, on both sides, God. On both sides, it will be you that will stand true. I don't know how it's going to happen, God, but I know, God, that it will be you that will remain. Your word says, let everybody else be made a liar, but your word will remain true. Your word will stand. And, Lord, your word has merciful and endures forever and ever. Amen. I just wanted to say a few words before we dismiss and go back to lunch. Um, Brent and Beth and their family have been with us, what, two and a half years? And... um, We knew when, I I will never forget, they came to service. They were on a sabbatical from the church they'd pastored for 10 years. And the Lord said they need to be ministered to. And I'm like, okay. And so I start hearing that they're supposed to come and be here for a season with us. And I thought, well, I, I ain't prophesying that. No, that's... Mm, <laughs> I'm not that brave. And uh, so I know, Ronnie and several others had gathered around them to give them words of encouragement. And I said, I'm just going to stand back and, and uh, make sure of what I'm hearing. And lo and behold, somebody else prophesied the very same thing. So I'm like, okay, that's probably God. So I had the courage to tell them what I was hearing. And I knew, we knew, that it was not a permanent thing. It was for a season in their life to uh, help them. And I did not know how much... Jack and I would need the help, or the church would need the help, but they have seen us through this whole COVID thing. Um, They have supported us when I was sick with COVID, and in the long process of recovering from that, they have helped us when Rachel was diagnosed with cancer and just given a 2% chance to survive it. They stood with us and prayed with us and believed with us, as you all did. But when we could not be here, they were here. When I couldn't sing, Beth sang. When Jack couldn't preach, Brent preached. And guys, we are so grateful to you for what you've imparted into this church, what you've imparted into this people, few though we may be. Um, And we just appreciate it. Um, 
Beth's fixing to cry, so I won't go any further. Where's the Kleenexes? Um, But I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I had been sensing that this season was coming to an end, so it didn't come as a surprise to me, although I wasn't real happy about it. But I believe God has good things for you. And uh, another way of impacting southeastern Oklahoma, while you've been here, you've been at the gateway of southeastern Oklahoma and have uh, made an impact that is flowing through the rest of, of the region. And I have no idea, I have no words to give you as to what's going to happen next, but I know that God is uh, going with you, and it's going to be good. And so I just want to release a blessing over you. Father, I just thank you for Brent and Beth and Vi and Eric and Izzy and the nieces. They have played such a big part in this church family, in helping us, in strengthening us, in teaching us, in uh, laughing with us, crying with us. And uh, I just release right now in the name of Jesus a blessing over them all. And Lord, I, I thank you that wherever you send them next, they will be a blessing. I thank you that you have given them a season of rest and it may go even further and Lord in in doing that you've taught me to rest and taught us all to rest so I bless them in the name of Jesus and I thank you for them Jack Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. Are you hungry? We've been fed. We got one taker. All right. We, uh, we've had, uh, we've been fed in our spirits this morning, right? So let's go feed the belly. Father, thank you for your word for the opportunity, God, just to come and gather and to be a part of, and have them be a part of our lives over, over this time. Father, thank you so much for that. We bless the food, and uh, I hope you can all stay. Amen. Amen.